Uki McIsaac, The Benefits of a Psychic Reading, subtitled The Deal She Made with God. This is episode 118 on Alternative Health Tools podcast, where together we discover and share new alternative health tools and resources from alternative healthcare practitioners and experts. And if you're listening in early February 2021, are you a podcaster with an audience who would like to get paid for podcasting? Attend Stacy Sims' February 2021 Profit from Your Podcast free webinar. Links to register are in the episode show notes. Hi, everybody. I'm your host, Kim Shea. I'm your co-host for this episode of Alternative Health Tools coming to you from this side of the pond here in Southern California. It's Friday, December 11th, 2020. We are still in a pandemic, and I have somebody really special to introduce you to today, and I think you're going to love her. She's got a lot of wisdom to bring to us. And she is, let's say her name first, her name is Uki McIsaac, and I've known her for a long time. She's an internationally acclaimed speaker, an intuitive counselor, and an ordained minister. She's clairvoyant, and I have seen her for readings several times, for personal readings, and also my very first past life regression was with you. So I know you are the real deal. You're wonderful. You have great gifts, and so I'm eager to tell people about you and have you tell them about yourself. So welcome, Uki McIsaac. Good morning, Kim. Good to be here. Thank you so much. Tell me about your background. Tell me about who you are in a nutshell. Five words or less. Yeah. (laughs) I I always say my whole life really prepared me for my ministry and everything that seemed to be separate and isolated events came together beautifully when I accepted my ministry and my work. So I was uh, born and raised in Germany. I uh, obtained a master's degree in language and literature, and I was a high school and junior college teacher for a few years. And then a big event upended all of this. And it's strange in my life, illness has often served as a wake-up call as it is for so many. And the wake-up call of cancer, I decided that this lifetime that, or this lifestyle that brought about illness like that was not the right one for me. And I had met my to-be husband in summer vacation on Greece, on the island of Crete, of all places. And so everything fell in place together. And I came to the United States. And that's where a whole new chapter started. Yeah. So now you said you were living a different life and then the cancer served as a wake-up call. So were you out clubbing? doing crazy wild things or were you living kind of an ordinary life and then went on to focus more on this aspect of your life? If that's not too personal. (laughs) Well, as a high school teacher, I was just very stressed. It was really, really tough job as most teachers probably can attest to. And I didn't have a good rhythm in my life. It was not a healthy lifestyle, but primarily it was the stress. Okay. That's interesting. 
I always felt that stress was a major contributor factor to the illness. Of course, we don't know, but we do right. make our personal interpretations as to the events in our lives. And to me, it always felt that was important. Okay. And so did you have any of your gifts before you were sick? Had you known them like yes. you had them all your life? I would say yes, and I just didn't have any naming or categorization mm -hmm. for what was happening. So as a child, I often had out-of-body experiences, and I would just float up, and I had a lot of fun with that sense <laughs> of floating up and looking at the roofs of the houses. And what was really interesting, this was in the 60s, and there were still a lot of power lines strung over the roofs of the houses. And and mm -hmm. I always felt those power lines were interfering with my out-of-body journeys. Interesting. To this day, I don't quite know what that is, but it must have something to do with the electromagnetics, of course. That would make sense, yeah. So and did you have I those experiences had, when you were sleeping? I'm sorry. Not sleeping, but sort of in the in-between states, either going okay. to sleep or shortly before waking up. And I also had some mystic experiences at a time where I was in some instruction for what we call confirmation. So at the age of 13, 14, I was raised in Lutheran religion. And so we had confirmation. And at that time, I, I had mystical experiences with Jesus. And it was really very comfortable. It was like talking to a wonderful friend. So mm. not intimidating, but I thought that's normal that anybody could do that. Again, I didn't have any framework to place these experiences into. So it was a bit lonely, but I, I thought everybody can access those states. <laughs> <laughs> Did you talk to your parents about this or friends? Was this part of your conversation or was this secret? Not really. Here's the interesting thing. My mother is highly intuitive herself, but she doesn't really own it except in emergencies. So, hmm. uh, you know, she would always call it her mother's instinct. But when I was far away, she would just know when I was in a not so good situation. And also she had another strange capacity to find four-leafed clovers. Really? Without ever looking for them. So our family took uh, hikes in the, the Germans love to go on hikes. That's well known, right? <laughs> so on Sundays, we were on our Sundays hikes and chatting with each other, my own in nature. And all of a sudden, she would stop dead in her tracks, bend down and pick up a four-leaf clover. Oh, wow. And uh, none of us could ever replicate that. It's, she said, they call me. So <laughs> it's a bizarre huh. thing, but uh, she never really completely trusted her intuition. She just okay. used it when either in seemingly random situations like with a clover or when she felt her mother's intuition calling out. So I didn't really learn much about intuition per se. It was I had it. I knew things I wasn't supposed to know. I had premonitions too, but I always sort of brushed it aside. I wasn't afraid of it. No, I just didn't quite know what to do with it. 
It wasn't until I lived here in California for a few years that I really, really got so drawn into all things metaphysical and something really opened up for me when I moved here to, to the States. And it was a powerful calling that could not be ignored. Hmm. I've heard this area tends to draw people like you, too. There's somewhat of a pull in Southern California. I do believe that. I think there are vortices. And also, I do believe that our souls have somehow mapped out a certain journey. And not that it's all predetermined, at least not by some external force. But I think as souls, we design our life course to some extent. And so to me, coming here was not to over-dramatize, but it was basically a matter of survival and of tremendous spiritual growth. And I came here just after I had finished my, my cancer treatment, and it was really clear that Spirit had offered me an opportunity to make a complete new start, new country, language, uh, culture. Everything was brand new. Wow. It was really Did you learn a, a language an here? Amazing. No, in Germany, all school children learn English, and okay. I had many years of it, but it was not my native tongue, obviously. And so, yeah, it took a while to get more comfortable and fluent in English. In your website, it says that you had a near-death experience. Was that before you came here? No, that happened here. And many years into having lived here, and there was no warning that I could perceive. But one day I just woke up feeling very, very ill and got ill dramatically ill so quickly that in the middle of the night, we made it, barely made it to the emergency. And then I fell into a coma of nearly three weeks. And yeah, I was on life support. And later I learned that it was actually a pneumococcus, so a pneumonia bug that had gotten into my bloodstream and caused extremely high temperatures and shutdown of the body. It's called toxic shock or septicemia. When an organism multiplies so rapidly in the body that the body basically shuts down, especially first the extremities, and it keeps the brain and the organs alive. So that's what happened. And it was very dramatic. I was really closer to death than to life for all this time. Wow. Do you have any remembrances? Absolutely. And I learned later that it's actually very unusual for people that are in a coma for so long to have memories and exact recollection of everything that happened. And it's very difficult to put into words what I went through. I I have done that and I have been interviewed professionally about that experience. I've also been a speaker at a international conference of near-death experiences. So it took a long time for me to really digest everything that happened. But it also provided me with amazing insight on on who we really are and what awaits us on the other side. So it was truly a life-changing event. 
Did your gifts change in any way after that? They intensified. Okay. And I, I also clearly remember there was a very long recovery period uh, following when I finally woke up. You know, the body was just severely compromised. And so as part of these endless weeks in the hospital in ICU and so on, I, I made a deal with God. I said, you know, to the equivalent of, okay, God, get me out of this and I'll serve you. I'll serve you with all I've got, but I'm not ready to die. And what was interesting too is that there was actually during the near-death experience, I had at least one opportunity, I should say, to actually pass on and leave this body. But that's another long story of how I, how I decided to, to come back. It was not the self with a small s that made that decision. It was really the soul that said, you know, you're not done. You have a lot more to do before it's your time. And one thing I took with me from that experience was that our soul somehow is in charge, maybe with creator, with source, our soul is in charge and knows when our time has come. Of course, okay. the, the little ego mind doesn't know. So at first I was like, oh no, I don't want to be back because I had seen the light and I wanted to be in that light and move on. But it took me a long time to accept that I was back in the body and had a lot more physical challenges and suffering ahead. But And I don't know if it's very human to make contracts with God or bargains, I should say, but I feel I've kept my end of the bargain as best I can. And it seems like spirit has as well. So I'm still here um, 27 years later. Wow. Okay. A long time ago. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm glad you came back because I've learned so much from you and I'm not done learning from you. So I'm glad you're back. Thank you. Selfishly. <laughs> so like I said, I've had readings from you. I've had regular readings. I know I came to see you shortly after I had some surgery. It was a big surgery and I was not showing any symptoms of it. I'd been healed from it. And I came to see you and I sat down in the chair and I know you pointed to my abdomen and you said, what's going on there? What's happened? And so you knew, and there was no reason we weren't on social media at the time. So you just right. you picked that up, which was pretty cool. And then we did a past life regression, which is as real a memory to me as anything I've ever experienced. And I spent years after, because I had seen where I lived in this other lifetime, and I spent years searching for this particular mountain that I've never seen in my lifetime currently. And I finally found it on somebody's blog that just randomly popped up. And I said, oh my gosh, that's the lake, that's the mountain. And it's Trillium Lake up in Oregon. And so one of these days, I would like to go up there and see it because I could feel it. It was all so real. And I've looked at so many pictures trying to find which mountain that was. So to validate, mm. that was really neat to find that. But so I know I've had a lot of benefits. What benefits do you feel that people can get? Especially right now, there's so much stress in the world and so much yes. negative emotions right now. What do you think people can derive from having a reading with someone like you? I Primarily, reading confirms that we're not alone. And in times of such isolation and social distancing and whatnot, it is really 
so ultimately comforting to know that we have a lot of support on spirit side. And most people know maybe about the guardian angel, but many people don't know that we also have spirit guides. And those guides are here to assist us. Sometimes they have very specific tasks and sometimes they are just here for a lifetime. You know how the saying goes, some friends are here for a season, a reason, or a lifetime. So it's similar with the spirit guides, but that's just one of the aspects. Many times people get a lot of confirmation for things that like you did, you knew about your physical issue, but when someone else who cannot logically know that picks it up, it's confirmation. And so that same level of confirmation can also happen in all areas of life, relationship, work, life purpose. Those are really the the main issues that Really, everybody has some questions about. And I find it's important to know that in a reading, the guides or the person you're working with should not give you answers uh, in terms of what you are supposed to do or not do. It only should be on the level of recommendations. Or Mm. the way I see it, I tune into possible futures. And energy flows in in ways that we can tune into and when we align ourselves with that flow we know that this is a direction that we're supposed to go in and so we can still force other decisions but usually then it doesn't flow as well so i help people identify what are in all likelihood, positive paths of action. And so I tune into potential futures. And that empowers my clients to have better decision-making, clarity, trust in their choices, and that allows them to move forward. Which is really valuable right now because a lot of people have undergone some major changes with their employment and their worlds have been turned upside down. So to get some guidance or options about how to move forward, I think would be really helpful. And in a time like this more than ever, since a lot of the distractions in the outer world have diminished greatly, we are called to be really at home with our ourselves, within ourselves. And sometimes people may not really like what they find there. So I I help them also in owning their unique gifts and talents and claiming them so they can be really empowered to to shine their light. There's a lot of healing energy also available in a reading. And I say that I'm not practicing actively uh, as a healer, but I know the energy is available when we tune into source and we set a strong intention and the heart is open. I think those are the three prerequisites. When that is given, then we become open as channels of energy. So both the client and me as the medium actually receives healing. It's beautiful. It's a (laughs) win-win. 
<laughs> that is really nice. Yeah. I have friends who've never had a reading before and it, it scares them, just the concept of it. Would you mind explaining what the process is so that they can have an understanding? Sure. What happens when they so, come to see you or now I think things are virtual. So yeah. how does it work? A session always start well, apart from the little hello and, and gathering a little mm -hmm. bit of information. The reading starts with a prayer. And that prayer is not a formal prayer, but it's really calling in the the light and the love of the divine. And I want to make it really clear that we're not getting stuck on any naming convention here or God has infinite amounts of names and we don't need, need to call it God. Some call it spirit, source, the divine, father, mother, God. It's almost unlimited. So I say a prayer in which I call in the light and the love of the divine to guide us. And then there is often a short mini meditation that is focused on breath. So breath, a few deep breaths can really help clear out energy and connect us both to the earth and to the heavens. Then I receive images. So I'm mostly clairvoyant, but they also work with me on the levels of hearing and feeling. So clairaudience, clairsentience. There's even, sometimes I even smell things, but that's not predominant. And so as I receive images, they are often of symbolic nature. And I have learned to interpret these symbols. And for example, an animal may come in. This animal can be perceived as a power animal or a spirit guide. And as we explore the capacities, the properties of this animal, for example, let's say wolf shows up. So we can ask, well, what may wolf want to tell us? And I don't want to go into more details. But so all these images come in, they are interpreted. And after that, anything else I immediately pick up about my client's energy is shared. When that is done, then we are entering really into more of a talk, a conversation. My client can ask me questions. They sometimes they bring or show me photos of people they have questions about. And uh, it's good to know that these people can be either still in body or on spirit side. And while I do not promise in each and every case that we will be able to establish contact with someone that is no longer in body, it often does happen. And I receive a lot of information about other people through their photos or images. And then my clients can ask other questions. And before you know it, the hour flies by. Yes, it does. Some people take an hour and a half, some an hour. But I have, even in short times, I can still convey a lot of information. Does this drain you at all to do this? Is something where you have to protect yourself from giving so much it, or using so much of your own energy? In general, it does not drain me. The only time I feel a little fatigued is when the person that's coming for a reading is 
so guarded and so protected that it's hard for me to to connect with their energy. And I know that sounds uh, a little strange because who would want to come here with anything other than an open heart? But let's face it, some people still have fears or apprehensions or misunderstandings and it may be their first time. So when a person is open and willing and trusting that spirit is working with us and through us, then it's not draining at all. In fact, it's even enlivening. I, I often feel almost like a high after some really good, when there is a good flow of energy, there is a natural high as a result because it's source energy we're tapping into. And what better could there be? Yeah. And you are a patient. I know when I came in to do my first past life regression, I couldn't see anything. And you were asking me questions to look around and see what I could see. And I couldn't see anything. Mm. And you were just very patient. Well, why don't you try this? And I couldn't see anything. And I know I was getting very frustrated and feeling like I was wasting your time and my time. And then at some point you said, why don't you look down at your feet and tell me what you're wearing? And that was when it was like a black curtain just lifted up and I could see everything. Uh But you were very patient. And and I didn't come to you feeling like I was guarded, but I I just needed a a little bit of extra guidance. So you're very patient in working with people to help them open up. Thank you. So. Yeah. And you know, in this context, it's also important to understand that our logical mind loves to be in control and it's very reluctant to surrender control to the subconscious, which is what we want to work with in a past life regression or in any regression, because that's where all the memories are stored. But the conscious mind, the ego mind, it tries to exert its control. And sometimes it does that by suggesting that there is nothing there. So when Mm. we understand this as a strategy of the thinking mind, then we can gently bypass it and allow that subconscious to open up and share. And I think, I mean, even though there is some, maybe pushing the ego aside to be able to do that. I did want to point out, because I know some people feel like if they're doing a past life regression, they're not in control and they feel like they might feel vulnerable before they've ever even tried it. They think that would be the case. But I know that I was fully aware that at any time, if I felt like it, I could open my eyes and say, okay, we're done. But I I didn't want to because it was such a lovely experience. But it's just such a wonderful, it's such a wonderful gift that you bring people to be able to experience all of these things. A good point there, Kim, because it is important to know that the client is always in full control. And sometimes I don't even like to use the word hypnosis because people associate stage hypnosis with that. Mm-hmm. You know, where people all of a sudden start barking like a dog or clucking like a chicken. And that's so absolutely nothing what this is like. I'm using basically guided progressive relaxation to bring forth an alpha state of brainwaves, which is sufficient to access those deeper memories. And Mm -hmm. in that alpha state, any moment one could pop out if needed be. You know, if there was all of a sudden an earthquake, of course you're going to pop out immediately. 
So, yeah, I want to really make sure that everybody understands that nothing happens in this process that you would not want to. Yeah, and I think you get so much out of it. I know I did. It just changes your perspective on life in general and on the people that you know. And I noticed your logo. It looks like, and I may be mispronouncing this, is it Anidra's Net? Is that what your logo is? It's um, it's the flower of life. The flower of life. Okay. Yes. And so what does that represent? Because it looks like everything's connected to everything yes. else. Okay. It's a beautiful and very ancient mandala. And it's easy to reproduce if you know what to do. But it's basically uh, a pattern of partially overlapping circles that are arranged in a very balanced shape. And... This mandala has been found as far back as in Egypt and even on medieval chapels. So it is really one of these images that are not bound to any particular culture or belief. And it is said that in the relationship between all of these shapes that are created through these overlapping circles and through the angles that exist, that it's almost like a map for life. So you can draw using these shapes, you can draw patterns that reflect really the building blocks of life. It's hard to explain (laughs) without going graphic. Yeah, I like it though. And anybody can go on your website to see it and we'll give them yes. your contact information so they can see it. But I think I focus on that sometimes right now because it reminds me that we are all connected. There's so much division right now. And although it, mm-hmm. you might be in your own little circle and think there's just you, you're connected to somebody way on the other side. We're all one. And that's what I like about Absolutely. that image. It feels very unifying. Yes. And as you said, in these times, we feel the illusion of our separateness is so thick, you can cut it with a knife. And thank God, at least we got technology to keep us connected. If this would happen in the Middle Ages, it would be a different story. But it's not a complete replacement, of course, for the human interaction. But it comes pretty close. Yeah. Well, now that we're going into this new year... 2021, I think a lot of people are ready for 2021 or 2020 to be behind us. They're looking forward to 2021. So I want to tell people that you have these gatherings with spirit and you have them monthly. And I've been to them at your home before and I know you're not doing it that way now. So how can that help people right now to be a part of that as they're going into the new year? So yes, gathering with spirit has been around in my life now for 25 or more years Mm -hmm. on a monthly basis with very few exceptions. And I view it as part of my commitment to be of service that I made way back when. And so we have a certain format. Sometimes we have music at the beginning, live music. With Zoom, that has become a little more challenging. So we may or may not have the live music. And then guided meditation. And that meditation is never scripted. It comes in at the moment, sometimes pertaining to a certain theme, but it's always co-created depending on the people that are there. 
So it's one of these uh, tests where I just have to tune in, open mouth, and let it flow through. <laughs> but it's beautiful, really. Most of the time, we get amazing journeys that help awaken our awareness. They can be deeply healing. They can open new perspectives. And then when we come out of the meditation, every person gets a short intuitive message. I call them angel messages. So they may be just a few minutes long. And I just tune into people's energy. And I'm impressed with the images we talked about earlier. And I pass that on. And sometimes, of course, also people from spirit side pop in. But we can't force that. So <laughs> it either happens or it won't. So, so you're it's doing a this very virtually? beautiful, yes, it's a community. Okay. It's done via Zoom. So people can see each other and we have time for them to connect with each other too. And you know, what's interesting about the mini readings is that no message is just for one person. And that's the beauty of doing it in a group setting. And the groups are not huge. I limit them usually to at most like 25 at most. So then I always tell my clients that when you resonate with a certain message, then that is also your message. So you get many glances at what other people are receiving and one is familiar enough with frequency, our energy, then it can become guidance times 25. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's really valuable. So people can go to your website and sign up for the one coming in yes. January or February and get a spot because yes. it's hard to get in now with only 25 spots. <laughs> I know. And it's limited yeah. just because of the uh, individual messages. I sure, that would take a lot of messages. time. <laughs> yeah, that would take a lot of time. Yeah. People make you, beautiful connections during that time as well. Oh, with each other? With each other. And I always encourage everyone, let people know what your unique gift is. And there may be somebody looking for a massage therapist or a photographer. So it's not per se a networking meeting, but community interaction to some extent, of course, is encouraged. So important right now. People yes. need that connection. So that's great that you are doing that. Yeah. I saw that you shared recently you have an anthology that you were part of, a book that was put out that yes, I'd love to share with a, people. It's a beautiful book that is entitled Women of Spirit Share mm. Rituals Divine. And the subtitle is Diverse personal and evolution-empowering stories of our connection to rituals and the divine. And it is edited by my friend Amshatar Monroe. It has over 40 different contributions, and it's all women speaking from their own experience, from their own background, about how ritual and ceremony is meaningful to them. Many times they've created it themselves. Sometimes 
It may be giving a ritual that's already well known new life through our intention and personalizing the experience. So yeah, it's a beautiful book. I'm so proud and happy to be included in it. And there are some big names, Janla Van Zandt, Ryan Eisler. Well, anyway, it's a beautiful book. Okay. And we can find that Women of Spirit. I will share divine. Okay. I will share the link for that in the show notes so people can find it. I'm thinking that would make a beautiful Valentine's book. It's red, right? The cover is red. For someone you love. That would be a beautiful (laughs) gift to share. I like that. Or even for yourself. (laughs) I think I'm I'm going to pick up a copy for just me. So thank you. Well, I'm inspired by by reading all the other contributions. My contribution is something that may at first sound a little unusual, and it's a ritual of self-marriage. And I came up with that after, after a divorce, in fact. And everybody who's ever been through a divorce know that is typically a painful experience. And as part of the healing journey, I determined that I wanted to marry my higher self and love myself more fully as obviously I had been very doubtful and hurt and everything that goes along with that. And so it really is a healing journey. Every ritual is a healing journey. And through the power of our intention, we can make connection with the divine through these procedures that in a way they tie back into our knowledge that we acquired over so many lifetimes. We are, I think, by nature, we are ritualistic beings, but very often our rituals have become empty and meaningless, or we don't even know that they're rituals like weddings, memorials, prayer at dinner time, all of those are really ritualistic acts, but very often they are not filled with as much meaning anymore. And we can change that. We can devise our own because the divine is always, always willing to be there for us, always open to connection, but we have to ask. And we ask through our intention and creating a sacred container for our rituals. That's beautiful. And it's true because sometimes things can just become rote where you're not really thinking about them. You're not doing them. But to ask for divine help to help it become more real and relevant and true, you know, while you're doing it so that it has more meaning to you. It has more healing effects on you as well. That's really and it nice. sends a full message to the subconscious as well. And for example, now that we're in the new year, many people have perhaps burned something on New Year's Eve that they wish to release. And that is a, a beautiful ritual that speaks to our ancient mind. And by offering up to fire, we intuitively know that we're letting go of something. Fire Mm -hmm. transforms matter into ash and smoke, yes? And so it confirms that we have really released that. So that's just one example of how we 
all along may have used rituals, but maybe not having been always aware of it. Same we do gold setting for the new year, right? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And it's good to be mindful about all of this, about the letting go and about what we're doing as the ritual and then setting our intentions and goals for the coming year. And I feel we are so ready to really co-create a good year. And while in my perception, and it's officially known that we're not completely over this, I may Mm -hmm. take a few more months of this whole COVID scenario, but I believe there to be a tremendous resurgence of positive energies. And hopefully in all this time of hunkering down, we've had time to really tune in with our innermost selves, strengthen our spiritual connections, be friendly with ourselves I think that's one of the gifts to when we're forced to be not always distracted, but be at home within ourselves, then that is a gift. So I think not everything that has happened through COVID is bad. I mean, yes, there has been illness and death and loss of business, but it also possibly prepared us for a whole new awakening of what is possible and how we can really co-create with source. I think I learned from you once we were talking about the good and the bad and the darkness and the light. They are necessary for each other. They all both have to be there. And so I think if I'm misstating that, you let me know. But so with this thing that seems like it's so negative and it's just so awful that there's a lot of good too to keep everything in balance and they both yes, have to exist it, together. It takes the darkness to define the light and all of our choices can become much more conscious choices. And so we can take that canvas of this experience and co-create something that honors what we learned, but is not stuck in that experience. Hmm. Do you have another book you're working on that you want to tell us about? I am. (laughs) Oh, this book has been, I always say I've been pregnant with it for years and years. (laughs) (laughs) But it's now in the works and it's shaping up to be a blend of personal experiences, what they have taught me, and then I share tools. So in this three-part structure, I use basically what I said, my whole lifetime prepared me for my ministry. So there may be a, a particular experience from my life, then what that experience has taught me about myself, the world, how I relate, spirit, and then since I have quite some experience with healing tools, I share some tools. So the book is designed to be, it can be opened at any chapter at any time. And some of the topics may be angels, for example. I talk about angels and my personal experiences and how we can reach out and make contact with angels. But also maybe more trivial things like 
well, it's not really trivial. I talk about ancestors and how we can connect with ancestors, how we can disconnect from ancestral tracks that are not beneficial. So, yeah, it won't be a really big, heavy book, but I could see that it'll be like something you could access on a daily basis and learn something. And the stories are all genuine. So I feel as I share from my life, I am being true to my commitment to serve through what I have experienced, through what I know. That's the purpose. Uh, It's wonderful. I can't wait till that is out to get a copy for myself and to help promote that for you. Thank you. Is there anything else you'd like to share with us going forward into the new year? And I do want to point out that we are recording this on December 11th, 2020, but Oki and I are both aware that this is going to be released and you'll be listening to it in the new year. So is there anything else that you would like to share? Well, since it will be aired in January, I do hope that everybody has created maybe a form of releasing 2020, but not seeing it as all bad. And I, in my own life, I've experienced that it is often in hindsight that the gifts become clearer. And while we go through a situation that is traumatic or speaks of loss, we can't see that. But with some distance, we can extract the good. And so I think much good will come from this whole COVID situation too. Maybe it will have made it clear what our priorities are and it stripped some of the unnecessary stuff away. To some extent, maybe we have numbed ourselves with too much stuff and too many activities. And so in this time of retracting, we gotten hopefully more at home within ourselves. Yeah, that's good. That's good to keep that in mind. So thank you for bringing that up. At one point, also, I really want everybody to know you are not alone. Mm. Even if you are physically not connected right now, your angels and your spirit guides, they have your back. And All you have to do is ask for help and take the time to quiet your mind through meditation and other spiritual practices so you can perceive the guidance. See, that's another thing. We're often so busy that we don't take the times to listen. And then we feel like, oh, there's nobody there for us. I don't get guidance. That's our own fault in a way. So when we do make quieting of the mind, focusing, meditation, yoga, meditative walking, whatever it may be, when we take the time for that, our connection to spirit is strengthened and we do perceive that gentle voice that is there, never telling us what we must or must not do but assisting us in moving forward with trust and confidence and loving everything that is, no matter what. Thank you. You're very wise. Thank you very much. I want to thank thank you you for joining us today, Uki McIsaac, and I will give your contact information. I believe your website is ukimcisaac.com, so 
That's right. pretty simple. And they can <laughs> sign up for Gathering with Spirit there and learn more about you and, and your books as well. I'll, I'll provide the links directly, but they can also get that information off of your website. So thank you. Thank you for having uh, me. It was a delight. Oh, it was my pleasure. It was an honor, really. Thank you so much. So I just want to thank all of you who are listening and let you know you can catch the Alternative Health Tools podcast anywhere you get your podcasts and consider coming by alternativehealthtools.com and leave us an audio message. Let us know what you thought and uh, how much you're enjoying it. We really appreciate your support and your listening to us. Produced by Heard Not Seen Media, visit imaginepodcasting.com for more information. Oh, 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 oh